Welcome to the What The Mum podcast. My name is Maria Newman and I will be your host. Every mum-to-be knows that as soon as she becomes a mum, her world will change forever. Everyone is keen to give you advice based on their own experiences. Other mums delight in sharing their horror stories so that new mums are better prepared for what might happen. The lack of sleep, feeling exhausted most of the time, living in bodies with even more wobbly bits and never having any privacy. But everyone's story is unique. Everyone's experience is personal. On this podcast, I will be sharing real stories told by mums like you and I about their experience of motherhood and how life changes when you become a mum. This podcast is about showing you that you're not alone. We may not be in the same boat, but we are experiencing a similar storm. I hope these stories will inspire you to do what you want and be who you want to be. Anything is possible if you really want it and if it is really important to you. If you want to find out more about me and who I am, check out my website, mummyandabreak.co.uk. However, for now, sit back, relax and enjoy this podcast episode. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. During this podcast series, I will be interviewing six awesome women who will inspire you with their story of what I'm calling Changing Direction. My guest today is Lou, who I only met recently. I wanted her to be part of this series because her story is inspiring. She has moved continents. She has started her own business. She has nursed her husband back to health. She has become a mum. Thank you, Lou, for joining me today. You're so welcome. And thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. (laughs) So, Lou, tell us, what's your story? Tell us a bit about who you are so we can get a sense of who you are. Okay, so I, um, one of the reasons I moved continents is because I was born in Malaysia, brought up in Singapore, so I had an expat upbringing, which was amazing. Um, It also meant that I went to boarding school, and it also meant that I had experiences that many of my friends didn't have. I was always considered a little bit different, and actually I love that, so that's amazing. Um, And the the bit that you were alluding to about um, my husband and those sorts of things is the story that we shared, or I shared with you when we first met, and uh, let me start there. So I had started my um, career in law and then I moved into HR um, and found myself working in a really large um, uh, global law firm in Singapore, back where my family still live. And um, unexpectedly, we had a young son already, we had a um, 14 month old son. And unexpectedly, after only three months of working with this fantastic organization, um, I fell pregnant with twins. So that was amazing and exciting, but the timing was not quite what I had anticipated. So um, one of your questions, you know, further on, um, I think you're going to ask is around um, what changed when I became a mom. And what what was interesting was that before I became a mom, I was quite a control freak. I was quite OCD. And so the fact that I couldn't plan um, and fell pregnant without any intention (laughs) was completely off the scale for me. So anyway, I digress. So uh, I fell pregnant with twins. And um, have you ever or have any of your listeners ever had that um, really intuitive feeling deep in your gut that you have to do something or not do something? Have you ever had that? Yes, 
many yes. times. Sometimes I listen, sometimes I don't. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, on this particular occasion, I'd had that, I'd had that experience where I'd had them um, and I'd listened or I'd not listened, but they were sort of low level. This one was off the scale. You have to go back to England. Because we were had, we'd moved out to Singapore intending to be out there for sort of a minimum of two to five years. And we'd only been there a few months. And this intuitive, deep kind of knowing that you have to go back to England, you have to go back. And um, I, you know, at that point, I thought well, it must be because there's going to be something wrong with the twins and we need to be in the UK for whatever that is. Um, you know, my parents tried really hard to keep us there. They threw guilt at me. They threw money at me, all sorts of things. My best friends tried to understand why are we going back to England? My husband on the way to the airport was going, why are we going back to England, really? <laughs> and I said, we just, we just have to go. We have to go. I, can, I cannot stay. I cannot stay here. We have to go back to England. Um, so thankfully, he just trusts me and he came back. Um, so fast forward slightly and twins arrived. Absolutely no problem. We hypnobirthed them beautifully. They just, you know, absolutely no problem at all. And I remember ringing my best friend and saying to her, well, it wasn't what we thought it could be because, you know, they've arrived fine. And, you know, because we're both great believers in everything happens for a reason. And she said to me, well, you know, it will, the reason will become known in good time. And sure enough, it did. Uh, because five weeks later, so bearing in mind, I had our eldest son who had just turned two and five week old twins. My husband was then taken into hospital with a rare and potentially fatal um, condition called endocarditis, which is an infection of the heart valve. And I stopped Googling endocarditis when I read that one in three people today still die of endocarditis. Like, right, those aren't great odds. I'm just going to stop finding out about that. Mm. But it was a progressively worsening picture. Every day the doctor's feedback was worse. Um, he was getting poor, worse and um, they were having to change drugs and they weren't working, all of those sorts of things. And this was a very stressful time. It was a very lonely time. Um, and it was a very vulnerable, I felt very vulnerable. This culminated in them taking him off a particular drug and this kind of fur that grows on the heart growing overnight. And they said, we need to do an emergency open heart surgery on him tomorrow. So we were like, right, okay. <laughs> with all the associated risks involved with that. Um, so I was sat on his hospital bed the day before the surgery with the twins who were now 10 weeks old because he'd been in hospital for five weeks of their lives. So half their lifetime. Yeah. Um, our eldest boy was at nursery at the time and he produced all of these documents um, that he had had sent to him from work, his death in service documents, his life insurance documents and various other bits and pieces to say, basically, if I don't make it, I need you to know where you're at financially. And my reaction was exactly like yours. I literally just, I wanted the world to stop, but I couldn't stop his words. They just kept coming. Saying, no, 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 this is not how this ends. This is not the end of this story. Um, and, but of course it, you know, my cognitively, I knew that that was a possibility. I knew that that could happen, but my heart had not taken on board that that was going to happen. You know, I'm eternal optimist and it just sort of slapped me in the face that, okay, you are 30, what was he, 35. 
you've been sat in this hospital bed on your own worrying and thinking about potentially having to leave your wife and three young children without frankly a breadwinner at the time so it was very emotional as you can imagine and it was really scary i drove home in floods of tears like the movies it was pouring with rain so the windscreen wipers were going 19 to the dozen i couldn't see where i was going so i thought i better pull over before i have an accident um and it was after i'd pulled over and the sobs had subsided there was this teeny tiny voice in the back of my mind just audible just audible saying okay this is um am i allowed to swear on your podcast uh try keep it clean okay <laughs> this is say. not very good <laughs> this is not very good and this is really scary and um that's not what it said but you you can fill in the gaps <laughs> but it um <laughs> But it, essentially what it did was it said to me, okay, this is not great. Um, this is very scary. And actually, what is it that you can do? Where is your power in this? What are your choice? What choices do you have available to you? And it was at that point that I started to think about, okay, actually, I've got loads of skills and experience and loads of people work flexibly around their children. How could I build a business that means that I can be always available for my children so that I don't miss sports day or nativity plays or parents evenings and build a really good business so that I can make sure that we're financially viable in the event that he can't whatever happens because one of the outcomes assuming this the surgery was successful one of the possible outcomes was that you know he would be alive but not potentially able to work and or that he could have a stroke or several strokes also there were all sorts of things that could happen um and that's what got me thinking about growing my own business that would be flexible around the children, but also give me the financial security um, that would enable us to do that. Now, one of the reasons that I hadn't done that previously was because I had good old imposter syndrome, believing that I wasn't experienced enough, or I didn't know enough, or I wasn't good enough, or all of that stuff that we do to ourselves. So I then went on a journey to learn how to um, run a business to get over my own imposter syndrome so that I can show up and believe in myself um, and create financial security and stability um, for myself and also for my family. So I now help other women to do the same. I do work with other people, but predominantly I like to look after women like me who want to grow brilliant businesses flexibly around the kids and do all of that without the burnout, the stress, the overwhelm, and the imposter syndrome that so often gets in our way and keeps us small and keeps us believing that that's all that's all we you know that's all we're good for that's all we can do um because we are so much more and we have so much more potential does that give you a little insight a big insight <laughs> okay but you need to finish the story so obviously oh, yes i always forget <laughs> this bit and the husband is absolutely fine and if you were to meet him today maria you wouldn't know any of what had happened um, so yes, there is a very happy ending to this particular story. Few. Few. <laughs> so, um, did you know that you always wanted to be a mum? Well, it's really interesting because um, my husband and I have been together since we were 18. So I got to about 26 and I was like, right, I'm ready to be a mum, let's go. And he, he just wasn't. He was on a completely different page. Um, and so after a little bit of trying to cajole him round to my way of thinking, 
um, I sort of put it away and kind of went, okay, well, I'll get on with the business of building my career. So yes, I always wanted to be a mum, but the way that it kind of came about, again, wasn't the way I had planned it, the way I had you know, mapped out my intentions. Um, and it came, you know, the universe works in beautiful ways because it came at a way that meant that I had to just go with it and allow it to be what it was. Because falling pregnant wasn't as easy as they say it can be when you're at school. Um, you know, that I couldn't plan and create, I couldn't make that happen on a time frame. Um, and yeah, I had always wanted to be a mum, but it didn't work the way that I had planned it, if that makes sense. It, it does. It sounds... <laughs> Sounds like you like planning, yeah. But the universe tends to send you a message that um, planning isn't always the best option. Well, what children have taught me is it's the, the it's taught me the skill of being able to be more flexible, be more adaptable, and to go with the flow. So the younger version of me was a little bit OCD, very controlling. Um, and you know, very hard on herself. That younger version of me was all of those things, and maybe some of your listeners can relate to that person. Um, and through my work, and you know, through having children, I've learned to just you know let it be a little more fluid, let it be a little more easygoing, um, and that works beautifully. And what made you? Have you always been a planner then, or is go? Was it? because you in, you had a corporate career that meant that you had to plan? Um, no, I've always been a planner. And obviously I still have, you know, when you have a family of three, um, you know, planning helps on all sorts of things and scheduling everybody and telling them where they're going, what they're doing. Um, it helps create a structure, but um, it also helps to be fluid and flexible too. So before you became a mum, like at the point where you were pregnant, so you knew you were going to be a mum, did you take the time, because I'm going to tell you now I didn't, <laughs> did you take the time to think, right, I'm about to be a mum. What does that mean for me? What does that look like? And also, and this I definitely didn't do, how am I not going to lose myself? Mm, wow that's two really good questions i'm going to start with the not losing yourself bit because um nobody told me about that and um that definitely 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 100 happened for me and i didn't realize it had happened until i found myself again <laughs> if that makes sense i kind of hadn't realized um and remind me what was the first question did i did you take the time to say right well what does being mum mean to me and look like for me no because whilst i really wanted to be a mum i was also in denial because i couldn't plan for it because i had no map for it because i didn't know what to expect so i was kind of like well that's just going to arrive and i'll take it as it comes <laughs> other than you know doing all the planning around right i've got this many nappies this many baby grows this many um, muslins um i've got this that and the other right all of that's done the rest i can't plan for because i have no idea but it's funny, isn't it? Because in the lead up to officially becoming a mum, i.e. baby arrives, we do prepare for motherhood, but from a very practical point of view to make sure we have the stuff. Yep. So have we got the clothes, the equipment, 
the cot, all of that, the material things, for whatever reason, we're most of us, I'd say, I am, I am speaking for every mum out there. Um, <laughs> we, we, we make sure that we have that. But from a mindset point of view, from a, an intangible point of view, it doesn't even cross our mind because I know we're, we're so immersed in the fact that, oh, my word, we're about to have a baby. Have we got the stuff? Um, but the, for me, the bigger thing is mindset and our mental well-being because, um, and we know it, don't we? We know there are so many mums who they get to the point and all the hormones that are just racing in the body and all these new things and the pressure to like know what you're doing and be awesome on not day one, the first second just like completely pulls the rug from under us mm. and there are some mums who find the pressure of it and also obviously like the chemical imbalance and whatever just so much that they that they literally don't know who they are yeah absolutely and if you're anything like me um you will have read every single baby book out there and so I read all the books and I was like, right, okay, so baby does X and baby does Y and baby, baby, baby. And it hadn't, it's, as you say, it's not until the baby actually arrives, you go, oh, you're not just baby, you're actually <laughs> my baby. And I actually am overwhelmingly in love with you. And that's quite, you know, quite something in and of itself to say nothing, as you say, of the pressures that we put on ourselves to run a picture perfect house and for everything to be tickety boo and insta perfect and all that kind of nonsense that you know eventually I realized I can just let that go because it doesn't matter it, <laughs> for, it doesn't matter no but for a while I was definitely that mum trying to do all of those things um and people kept saying you know when the baby sleeps you sleep and I went no 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 I have to clean and scrub and do this and da, 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 da. I was absolutely exhausted so when the twins arrived I was like no I've got this they sleep, I sleep. That's how that works. <laughs> I'm so glad you, I'm so glad you learned because it, but it is, isn't it? Because I mean, I haven't had twins. I had one baby at a time. You did it the sensible Which, way. <laughs> yeah, my body said, it's all right. I'm just going to give you one at a time. That's mm. fine. Yeah. But we do, I think we also look at who's around us. We, we look at the external world and we look at who's around us and we say, and we look at our parents and we decide that everybody else has got their stuff together. Yeah. And they're doing a great job. Look at them. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lauren down the road, she's up before baby. She's baked all like croissants and bread. Baby is seems happy all the time. And we're there going, oh, my word, I could just about get up. Yeah, we're comparing ourselves or we're thinking, oh, you know, my mum, she was amazing. How am I going to be as great as my mum? Or we feel like people are judging us. And, you know, if we make a mistake, what will people think? And, and what would you say to mums who might be in that area right now who just, just are feeling a bit, a bit scared, might be feeling shamed because they don't think they're doing it as good as they could? What would you say to them? I would say that we are all our own harshest critics, both in the in the motherhood world and generally speaking, 
um, and that actually we are all doing the very best that we can with the resources that we have available. And to give yourself a break, you're doing great. That's it. It's that simple. It is that simple. Now I'm going to slightly change the subject because as we're recording it, Today is the 6th of September, so lots of children are going back to school. My children actually went back to school last week, but you have hit a milestone in the sense of your youngest have started secondary, so you're out of primary phase. How has that been? So weird, actually, because um, quite emotional, like the end of the whole primary school era chapter you know it's it's just it's quite significant i think not just for the children um and possibly more for the mum i don't know my husband doesn't seem to have been as connected to that experience as i was um but yeah it's it's a funny one because it's an emotional experience but for me it's also like a natural progression we're all ready for them to move on to high school um i'm just left with the hangover of thinking I don't feel old enough to have three children at high school, <laughs> even though I am. I just don't feel old enough for that. I think you have to be really responsible to have children at high school, don't you? Uh, Lou, are you saying you're not responsible? I mean, you <laughs> seem very responsible to me. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> when it counts, with the stuff that matters. I think we never necessarily feel the age that we are. And again, I read an article I think it was in Psychology's magazine that said, actually, it's good not to feel the age that you are. It's, it's, oh, now I'm forgetting what they actually said, because it's to do with how if you feel young, then in life, you know, you've got more zest for life and more energy. I think it's as soon as you start going, oh, my word, you know, I'm old (laughs) and you and you accept or decide that you are old, you then, you know, have this, you start walking Mm. a little bit differently and losing your confidence and going, oh, I'm old, I must be, I must not be able to remember stuff. And, you know, you take yourself to a place that actually you don't need to go. Now, Mm. so you're a mum of three, secondary school, high school age. So you're well down the mum journey compared to me. I'm, I'm just a little bit, I'm still at the front end, I'm going to say. What has been the most challenging thing that you've had to deal with being a mum? The most challenging thing, I'll tell you what it is, for me anyway, is, um, and this might sound completely bonkers, however, the most challenging thing is the children, <laughs> the like the children being unkind to each other and bickering with each other and that kind of thing, because being an eternal optimist, everything is roses and unicorns in my life. So I'm like, why are you all being so horrible to each other? That's not how it works in Luland. Um, but it is reality. You know, siblings will bicker. Uh, they will have disagreements about stuff. Um, and I guess trying, because, you know, with my background and my skills and all that kind of stuff, um, using all of those tools to help them navigate that um and and you know have really good fulfilling relationships with each other is is challenging it is it's challenging for sure i can hear our listeners going yes my children bicker i sometimes feel like i have to be the referee but at times i also think well hang on a second it's not my job to be the referee they need to figure it out for themselves because there's going to be times that well first of all i'm not going to be there all the time but they are going to have disagreements with other people. So I need to give them the tools exactly like you've said 
to manage those conflicts home is obviously a safer environment because yeah (laughs) we've got some walls around them um but i i mean i don't know a family please message me anybody listening to this if you do know a family where there is no disagreements Uh, there's always going to be a disagreement what would be your top tip for helping when disagreements do come about on Mm. how to you know you can't stop them but how to help resolve them okay so it does slightly depend on the situation but generally speaking rather than trying to be you know judge and jury or referee um i try to take a mediator role so it's for me it's always about listening to both sides but um employing a bit of nancy klein in there in terms of one speaks without being interrupted and then the other one speaks without being interrupted and trying to help them understand where they're at how this happened um what the win-win is to resolve it and how we can evolve you know avoid it happening again in the future now this is an idealistic situation these are children we're talking about um and in my case quite hormonal ones um so it doesn't always end up in you know roses and unicorns as i would love it to um but it does usually move it on slightly um and it helps them to have the skills to understand okay actually it's okay for me to have my opinion but it's also okay for someone else to have theirs and how do you respectfully listen to and accept on some level um, that you don't agree about something and that's okay. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like human beings, for whatever reason, I think we're programmed to, that somebody has to always be right, which actually is not the case. It is all right to disagree, to accept that we have different opinions because guess what everybody, we are all different and therefore it is okay to have a different opinion. And I don't know where it happens with children, because obviously we get conditioned at some point that, well, somebody has to be right when it doesn't. Whereas the children, bless them, our children are just innocent beings. And I think we probably, I was going to say socialise them into it, but I'm actually going to say brainwash them into that Somebody has to be right. Mm. Well, unfortunately, and this might be going off on a completely different topic, but I think that a lot of um, responsibility for that lies at the doors of schools, where you're either right or you're wrong. Um, but actually, you know, it's okay for you both to be right. It's okay for your points of view to both be right. And that's quite a concept for some people, but there's nothing wrong with that. I like that. That's a really nice, that's a really nice way to end this conversation. (laughs) So before we completely finish, there will be mums listening to this who might be feeling a little bit overwhelmed and want some wisdom from you. What words of wisdom do you have to share with us, Lou? Okay, let me just have a look at my wisdom bag. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. My words of wisdom, um, you mean just generally speaking or about motherhood in particular? Motherhood in particular. Okay, number one, the number one thing, and um, you probably have heard this one before, but the number one thing is to look after yourself. It really, really is. And that might just be drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, looking after your nutrition, occasionally having a candlelit bubble bath without any interruptions. You know, it could just be that's that is enough and that would be that would revolutionize your life but if you don't look after yourself 
you cannot show up and be the best version of you in your mum mode, in your relationship mode, in your business mode, in whatever other places that you're showing up. So looking after you, and it took me a long time to learn this one because I martyred myself for years and thought that that was, you know, that was great, but it isn't, it really isn't. And you end up burnt up, burnt out in a heap, feeling rubbish and not being able to look after anybody properly. So looking after you is the number one priority. Amen to that. So right. So right. (laughs) So finally, before we do wrap this up, there will be women, actually every woman who's listening to this will be going, I need to know more. I need to be in Lou's world. (laughs) Yeah, let's go to Lou land. Make it easy for everyone. How can people connect with you? Okay, well, you can find me on LinkedIn. You can look me up on my website, which is www.cconnections.co.uk. You can email me direct, lou at cconnections.co.uk, or you can look me up on Facebook, Conscious Connections. That's there you it. go. It's that simple. And I will put all of the links in the episode description so that you just have to click. Thank you. And that is it. That's the end of our conversation together. Thank you, Lou, for spending the time talking to us. You're super welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I cannot believe how quickly that time's flown. (laughs) See, time does fly when we're having fun. (laughs) It really does. It does. And thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Take care. I hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode. And if you did, then, of course, please share it with other mums. I have lots more resources for you that will help you on your journey through life. Just visit my website to access them, which is mummyonabreak.co.uk. You can also find out details about my book, Busy. Take care and see you the next time.